0: Tonight we're going to continue along the lines of in Adam versus in Christ. And the whole purpose of this teaching is to get you to understand the family that you are in. Not only understand the family that you're in, you need to understand the family that you came out of. Because once you came into Christ, you are a new creation. If all things are passed away, if all things are new... Then what God is trying to tell us, what he's trying to tell us as a father is we have a new life. The things of the old, the failures of the past, the things that we have done, the things that we have said, the things that we have encountered, the people who have come against us, the people who have said all types of things about us, the things that people have done to intentionally try to hurt us. Those things are over. Because we are new in him. So we're gonna continue along the lines of that teaching on tonight and I advise you to absorb as much as this as you can because as we go forth, I'm going to use a lot of the stuff that I'm teaching now in messages down the line and I want you to understand what I'm talking about when I say it. In every ministry you go to, they're gonna have different vernacular. They're gonna speak and they're gonna teach about different things. Someone may teach about the kingdom of God, but when you come to Divine Generations Church, I may use the kingdom of God, and I may explain it as being the Father's world. Or I may explain it as being the spirit realm. Or I may speak about it being the spirit world. And so as we go forth and we teach more and more, the more and more we do it, it is going to be important for you to grasp everything that's being taught. So we're going to teach from the title of what we inherited in Christ. What we inherited in Christ. You need to know this. I'm going to be coming from Ephesians chapter 1 through verses 14. We're going to eventually do the whole chapter, which is 23 verses in, in, in its entirety, but the second half of the scriptures will be dedicated to the prayer of Paul for the church. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where it gets good. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So now, what I want you to get out of this is that in Christ, we are already blessed we are already blessed. In Christ, we are already blessed. But it lets us know that our blessings are where? In heavenly places. So our blessings are in the kingdom. Our blessings are in the spirit realm. Our blessings are, are, are in our Father's world, in the spirit realm. Our blessings are not on earth. The Bible talks, when the Bible talks about faith, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, but is the evidence of things that we cannot see. It says, by faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. So that everything that we see, everything that is visible, was created by the invisible. So, in order for you to get blessings from the Father, because remember, you were, born, <clears throat> you were born again of a spiritual birth now that you're in Christ. You were born again of a spiritual birth. You entered into a spiritual relationship. You have a spiritual father. You are a spiritual child, which means when you live from this lifestyle, you're going to live from the spiritual world. And now what we have to do is we have to focus on that because in Adam, all of our blessings were in earth. According to the curse of Adam, we worked to get our blessings. Now that we are in Christ, we, are not, we don't have to work to get our, our blessings, but we have to labor to enter into his rest. So we have to focus on understanding his world, understanding how we tap into his world, understanding how to draw, bring those blessings to us. It's like having a bank account, but you don't know what bank it's in. You have to search. You have to seek. Why? Because this belongs to you. Now, notice how verse 3 started off. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are blessed because our Father is blessed. We are blessed because Jesus is blessed. That's why the scriptures say that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So whatever Christ has, we have it. That's why our blessings are in the heavenly realm, but they are also in Christ. And the way that you release blessings... You ready for this? You need to know the way that you release blessings is through likeness. It is through a character change. The Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek. So, when you want to, when you go to, in, to, to, to retrieve your blessings, the number one thing that we will have to do is become like Him. In Christ. Verse 4. In these passages of scriptures, you're going to see a common theme. You're going to see it talk about he, him, himself. And all this is letting us know is that this is not our plan. This is the father's plan. Verse 4 says this. Just as he chose us. As he chose us in him when before the foundation of the world. So he chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And how does this look? We live in time and space. He lives in eternity. We live in time and space. Hours, minutes, seconds. We have a span on our life. We live for for a certain age. We're born and then we die in the physical. But not him. In his world, there is no time. In his world, there is no space. Before he created time and space, the scripture said that he decided. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before he said, let there be light, he chose us. He chose us in him that we will be what? Holy. That we will be what? Blameless. Before him. So he chose us. He said, out of his own mouth, through his own mind, he said, you are going to be holy. You are going to be blameless. This is what I want to give to you in Christ. Holy means that evil can influence us or it can inhabit us. Our Father is holy. Christ is holy. The Holy Spirit is there to bring holiness to our life. Once you accept the Father and you are in Christ, you are holy, meaning at the spirit level. Your spirit cannot be influenced, nor can it be inhabited by evil. The Bible says you have been born again of a seed, that is incorruptible. It is imperishable. Satan cannot touch it. The demonic forces cannot touch it. And this is all because you are what? In Christ. It is in Christ that he chose you to be holy and he chose you to be blameless. Blameless in his sight means that what? He made you righteous. He justified you. This is what the father did. He chose you. In him that you would be holy and blameless before him. In love, verse 5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to who? Himself. So because he loves us, he predestined us to himself according to what? The kind intentions of his will. Through his love and his kind intentions, he revealed his will to us. And what was his will? His will was, I want to adopt them. I want them to be my children. The Bible says what? Through that, he predestined us, meaning he predetermined this. This is not your plan. This is his plan given to you. And now that you are in Christ, it's available to you. So he predestined, he predetermined that you would be adopted. That you would come into his family. And it says it was according to the kind intentions of what? His will. Inheritance. His will. His will was that you come to him, that you become part of the family, that you leave the family of Adam, and get all of the benefits that are in him. This is his will. Why do I keep saying that? Why do I keep reiterating that? Because your soul has to get this. Because like I keep saying, Satan is going to continually do his job. The job of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to advocate for you. It is to teach you, to lead you, to guide you, to instruct you. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. On the other hand, we have Satan. Satan's job is to make you uncomfortable. Uncomfortable where? In the relationship. He wants you to be uncomfortable in the relationship with your heavenly father. He wants you to live a life of never trusting him, not depending on him. Going about your business, doing things your way, never, never maintaining that that relationship, never focusing on that relationship, but always focusing on what you don't have. But the Father chose us in him. He predestined us, meaning he gave us a destiny before we were born. Verse 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Now, whenever you see this phrase, because you're going to see it two more times, three times all in this scripture, you're going to see it. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Whenever you see that, it means this, that he wants his action towards us to lead us to worship him. When we worship him, we are worshiping him for who he is to us and what he has done for us. Thus far, we have heard this, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We know that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we will be holy and, th- and that we will be blameless. We know thus far that he has predestined us to adoption to himself Through his son, according to the kind intentions of his will. That enough, that is enough right there for you to worship. That's why the Bible says to worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit is likeness. Because you are like him, because you have his divine nature, you can approach his throne of grace with boldness and with confidence. Truth is according to his plan. It's according to the plan that he had, the plan that he preconceived in his mind before the foundation of the world. You can only worship him in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? You need to understand the relationship for one, and for two, you need to understand truth. You need to understand what he gave to you, what he's given you. Every time you see he predestined, his will through Jesus Christ to himself, before him, he chose, he blessed. This is a father trying to do what? Give you something. He's trying to give you the inheritance that belongs to you in Christ. That's why everything that we do, we receive it by grace. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, that the fellowship of our faith will become effective. The fellowship of our faith will become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. So your fellowship, your faith is only effective when you acknowledge the things that he has given to you in Christ. This is what catapults your faith. When you have an understanding of what he has given to you in Christ. When you know this, the devil can't lie to you. He can't speak sweet nothings in your ear. He can't deceive you. When you know truth. When you know what he has given you. Next it says this. Which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So it's telling us that he freely deposited these things into our life because he what? Loves us. Our inheritance in Christ. In Adam, the scripture said that we were strangers. We were aliens. We were were in this world without God. We were not privy to what? The life that was in God. But in Christ, it says he has freely bestowed all his things on us. So he, he deposited into, in us. So this is how it looks. You go to your bank account and you see $10,000. And you're like, where did that come from? And your parents call you up and say, or or your friend calls you up and say, or your family member calls you up and say, I deposited that. That's for you. This is how it looks. He deposited these things into our life. Verse 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So in him, we have redemption, which means we have, we have freedom. We have been liberated because he purchased us. I'm speaking to your soul. I'm speaking to your situation. In him, we have redemption. Redemption. He has purchased our freedom. We are free to worship. We are free to praise. We are free to pursue our purpose. We are free to pursue our destiny. Before the redemption, we had no purpose. We were subject to death and death alone. But now in him, we have redemption and we have, what is this? Forgiveness of our trespasses, meaning when we deviate from truth, when we have lapsed from living an upright life, we can expect Him to forgive us. He's forgiven every sin of the past and every sin of the future in order to bring this relationship to its fullness. In verse 8, it says that he lavishes on us or gives us generously and in extravagant qualities, meaning when he gave us this love, when he gave us this redemption, when he blessed us, the scriptures are saying that it exceeded the limits of reason or necessity, which means he gave you more than enough. He gave you from his abundance. He didn't give you from the abundance of the world. He gave you from his abundance. He didn't give you leftovers. He gave you from his abundance. It says he gave to us from the riches of his grace that he lavished this on us. He spoiled us. This is what he's trying to do. Now it says this. It says, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mysteries of his will. So now he's revealing to us the plan that was concealed. He's revealing to us the knowledge of his will. And the Bible said he did this with wisdom and he did it with insight. So through his divine intellect and with knowledge, And holy love of his will, the scripture says that he made known to us his will. Not his will, but the mysteries of his will. He made it known to us. Why would he make it known to us? Because he wanted us to live a certain type of life. He wanted us to have faith in a certain type of thing. He wanted us to have faith in what? His will, in his inheritance. Then it says, according to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him. According to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him. All this is saying what? This is his plan. There's benefits for being in Christ. We get all this by faith. The knowledge of his plan that was concealed has now been revealed to us. It is now available to us. That's why when Jesus came on the scene, the first thing that came out of his mouth in his ministry was repent. Because the kingdom of God is at hand or available. He was saying, my father's world is now available to those who want to live from it. But what you have to do is what? Repent. When I say repent, I'm not talking about apologizing. I'm not talking about coming before the father and telling him how sorry you are, because you can't be sorry for being born in sin. When he's talking about repent here, he's saying lose the way that you think and think the way that my father wants you to think. He's saying lose the mindset that you had in Adam and pick up the mind of Christ. Don't see yourself as being an alien, as a stranger, as a foreigner, but you need to now see yourself as being an authentic son of God a daughter of God, his children, his offspring, his progeny, his progeny. And then in verse 10, watch this. Let me connect uh, verse nine and 10. It says, according to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him with a view. So now he's telling you know, I did all this through my kind intentions, through my purpose. He, it says he had a view, so which means he foreseen something. He foresaw something. It says with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. Now, grace is the administration that is suitable for the fullness of time. But grace was revealed to give us an understanding of the fate that he chose for us. Grace was revealed to give us an understanding of the fate that he chose for us. This is the administration. We are in the dispensation of grace. What is an administration? Right now we have a president in office. And he has four years, he has a term, he has an administration. And what this is saying that he has four years to bring about all his policies, the way he thinks things should be done. He has four years, the father said, he he had a view of this administration, an administration of grace in which his children could grow up in Adam, you didn't have grace. Why? Because Satan was our father. Y'all with me? So this is the adoption process. This is the adoption process all over. Parameters and provisions have to be set because what? He adopted us. He made us children. He needs to raise us. We need to grow up in him. So he brings about grace because now we are in Christ. Now, in his summing up of all things, because I'm going too fast. Let me slow down. It says that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. So in the summing up of all things in Christ, the father plan was to do this, to restore mankind and everything that he wanted mankind to have this is him he's summing up all things he's bringing things to a close he's he's bringing things to a summation he has a plan and what he wants to do is he wants to bring man to him reconcile man to him and he wants to give man everything that that he wanted man to have in the beginning he's reworking his plan that's why when jesus came to the earth jesus said i came to seek and to save that which was lost The Bible didn't say he came to seek and save those. If he just said those, he would be referring to just people. It wasn't about him just coming back to get people, but he came back to give us a kingdom. He came back to give us purpose. He came back to give us a destiny. He came back to give us a ministry of reconciliation. He wanted a family right here in earth. And what most people don't know or they haven't done their diligence in studying, the Bible says in Revelation 21 that the new Jerusalem that is coming out of heaven is going to be on earth. Read it. The new Jerusalem, the Bible said, John said, I saw a, 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 a new earth and a new heaven and the old earth and the old heaven had passed away. Then it says, New Jerusalem came out of heaven and was on, earth, on the new earth. Which means this, he's going to do, do the original plan all over again. He's going to do it all over again. That's why he's setting up this administration right here, right now. The administration of grace. The summing up of all things in heaven, on earth, is so that in the end, he can have what he originally wanted. And that was children on earth dominating through his power, through his authority. Verse 11. Also in him, also... We have obtained an inheritance. This word inheritance right here means birthright. So in Him we have obtained a birthright, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Look at this again. In Him we have obtained. This is the stuff that has to to settle in your soul. This This is the renewing of the mind right here. In him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. We have a birthright. There's a heritage. In Adam, our birthright was hell. It was sin. It was death. In him, we have a birthright, which is life. It says, having been predestined, here we go again, he predestined us according to his purpose. He just wanted us to accept this. The hardest thing for a believer to do is believe and accept this. According to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. The counsel is his plan. What are we talking about? The inheritance that we receive in Christ. This is his plan. His plan is to get it to you. All he needs you to do is believe. All he do, all he needs you to do is just feed yourself this word. Sometimes when I'm studying or when I'm putting together messages You know what I want to do? I want to teach something fresh every time. I want to teach something new every time. But he's like, no, keep going down this path. Why? Because it needs to resonate in your soul, in your mind, in your heart until until you walk by this, until you live by this, until you conduct yourself by this, until you speak with this, speak with this stuff. Verse 12, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. There you go again. To the end. So he's saying this is the results. This is the results. Of you understanding your inheritance, that you have been predestined, that this is my purpose, that this is my plan, that this is my will. It says this is the result that you will be to the praise of his glory. And like I said before, he wants worshipers. Jesus said that the Father is seeking such. He's seeking worshipers. He's seeking people to worship him in spirit. He's seeking people to worship him in truth. Those who were enamored by his blessings and how he positioned them. What he gave us, what he wants us to know, and what he wants us to have. Verse 13. In him... You also after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him. Now, when something is sealed, that means it's what? It's authentic. (laughs) You were sealed in him. After you believe, so after you were in Christ, after you heard truth, after you heard the good news about the salvation that he provided for you, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This sealing is so that the spirit realm could recognize you and he could be revealed through you in the earth. Verse 14. It says the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Now, when he said that we have obtained an inheritance, it means means birthright. Now, it says that he was given to us as a pledge of inheritance means what is destined to come to us. So the Holy Spirit was given to us as a down payment of our inheritance. Why? Because... We are heirs of Christ, and we are heirs of the Father and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Here we go again. We're in verse 14. It says, with a view, he foreseen the redemption of God's own, of his own possession. So he did all this because he foreseen that you would be his child. And then we have this phrase again, to the praise of his glory. Every time you see that, that means this is why we worship him. This is why we worship. We worship because we understand what he has given us. It is from there that we worship him. We understand truth. That's why in verse 13, it says, after listening to the message of truth, after you heard truth, truth is his plan before the foundation of the world. What he said before the foundation of the world, that is what truth is. Like the preachers, I'm preaching better than y'all talking. <laughs> now. After Paul did all of that, after he said all that, after he revealed to us that we were blessed in spiritual places in heavenly, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, after he told us that we were chose in Him before the foundation of the world, after he told us that we were holy and blameless, and that in love he predestined us to adoption, after he told us that these things were freely bestowed on us, that we have redemption and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, after he reminded us that in all wisdom and insight that the Father made known to us the mystery of his will, after he taught or showed us or shared with us that the Father knew that there had to be a minist- uh, an administration that was suitable to, for this, after he did all of that, after he told us about our inheritance that we have obtained, after he told us that, that uh, we heard the message of truth and the gospel of salvation and that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, that's a lot, ain't it? That's a lot. That belongs to you. Now, after he did all that, this is where we close. After he did all that, he said, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, he said, I do not, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So after he revealed all of that to the church at Ephesus, he said, after seeing your faith in the Father, after giving you this information, he said, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Why is he praying for us? He's praying for us that we will get this. You'd be surprised how many people in the body of Christ understand who they are in Christ. It's not a familiar teaching. It's not a popular teaching. Because most of the time when you tell people about who they are in Christ, they get loose. And most preachers, most people don't want you to be, they don't want you to be free they don't want you to have liberty in God. They don't want you to know that you can hear from him, that he has blessed you and that he is continually trying to bless you. But listen to Paul. Paul said in verse 16, he said, I do not cease giving thanks to you for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give you Give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18, then he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of of his inheritance in the saints. So Paul gives you all this information about who you are in Christ, and then he says, I'm going to pray that you get an understanding of this. Why? Because your life is hidden in Christ. And if you don't understand this, you can't walk in it. Verse 19, he says, And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? This is your Father. This is the all-seeing, all-knowing. This is what he chose for us to have. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Verse 20, which he brought about, how? In Christ. when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So he did all this in Christ, then he raised him from the dead, seated him in heavenly places, and then told you in the next chapter, matter of fact, that's your homework, that's what I want you to do. Read the first two chapters of Ephesians, because you need to get this, read it every day for seven days, get it in your system because this stuff belongs to you because we walk around and we claim all these promises and I I come in contact with people all the time and the number one thing they want to know is why don't we have what the Bible says? We don't have it because one, it's not taught to us. Secondly, we don't have it because after we hear it, we don't study it. We don't give it a chance to absorb in our soul. We don't give it a chance to resonate in us. We read it like it's intellectual information and then we expect it just to come to us. But the scripture says in verse 19, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? So this is more about, it's more than us just having information. You have to believe this. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. So you know what he's saying in the scripture? We've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and that Jesus is far above rule, authority, power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. Let me finish this. And it says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet. And gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, verse 21 through 23 is letting you know that you're your only opposition. You're your only opposition. This is why. Because verse 22 says, He put all things in subjection under His feet. And He made Christ the head of the church. And then it says that the church is the body. So if Christ is the head, and the church is the body, whatever is under Christ's feet is under ours. (laughs) The devil is under your feet. Circumstances, situations, everything that you think, the demonic realm, the demons, all those things are under your feet. They are actually subject to you demon, uh, 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 Jesus goes to cast out a demon and the demon sees Jesus coming and says, I know who you are. You are the son of God. Have you come to torment me before my time? (laughs) You're a son of God. That's your authoritative right to understand That that when the demons see you, that's what they see. They see Christ in you. They're actually under your feet. But this is the thing, that they know. They know that you don't know who you are. (laughs) And since you don't know who you are, they flinch at you. They make remarks. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, right now for everything that was said, Father. We praise you. We give you the glory and the honor, oh, Father, for everything that you have given us, oh, Father, in Christ Jesus, Father. We thank you for the new birth, oh, Father. We thank you for everything that you have lavished on us, Father. We thank you for the grace, oh, Father.